Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with writer-director Robert Manson about his authored works film, Holy Island. So this film is about two lost souls, Rosa and David. It's, it's very open to interpretation. It's it's fun, it's experimental, it's it's abstract. And it's about um the pair of them trapped in purgatory in this rundown port town. And there's a ticket off the island, there's a back and forth between them, and then there's a huge shift in in character dynamics. So it's it's a very, very interesting watch and very evocative and um sensory there's there's hints of David Lynch there's <laughs> there's great performances and one of my favorite elements as well I thought um really added to that that mix was the sound like you've a really beautiful soundtrack then kind of like underpinning the whole thing and 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 really kind of moving the emotion of the piece along so um first up thank you so much for chatting with us thanks very much for having me First, I'd like to say, like, it's a it's a beautiful film. Um, it's in cinemas when this podcast is released. It'll be in cinemas today, uh, for a limited release. So, where exactly can people catch it on a big screen? So you can see it in the IFI in Dublin, also in the Lighthouse in Dublin. There's going to be two screenings daily from Friday the fourteenth until the twentieth, which is Thursday next week. Um, you can also see it if you're down in Cork in the Triscoll Arts Centre or in Galway in Palace. They have one screening daily. Uh, for around the same amount of time as well. And it premiered at the Cork Film Festival? It premiered at the uh, Cork Film Festival in 2021, yes. Just kind of like a post-COVID response to get to physically see it in the cinema. What was it like attending that? Yeah, it was great, really. Um, being with audience members again in a kind of celebratory uh, feeling, mood, you know. It was, yeah, it was a bit strange, I guess. People are still a little bit worried and all like that. and. Um, but yeah, and the atmosphere, you know, hearing people's reactions to your film, you can't you can't rival that. So it has to be done together in cinematic environment. Uh, so I'm looking forward to experiencing that again this weekend. The scheme itself is an artist driven scheme. It's it is it's a piece of art first, I think, and a piece of narrative second. But it does. There's even though it's open to interpretation, there's a real truthfulness to the exploration of trauma that I felt when I watched it um through our through our lead character. Um can you just tell me a little bit about maybe maybe actually probably the best thing to do is if we go through the process of how what it was like applying for the authored work scheme and a little bit about it. Yeah, the authored uh, work scheme is a, is a an exciting new scheme from the Arts Council. Um, it's their most ambitious uh, and largest uh, film budget bursary for projects that are artist-led or authored works is kind of linking to auteur kind of uh, filmmaking, which is, you know, maybe having uh, multi-discipline uh, directors or, you know, producers who can do num- numerous different elements on the film production, be it like editing or production writing, everything together, like all in one sort of uh, singular vision projects. Um, so, I mean, you also have to have a very strong visual background and maybe like experimental, have, you know, filmography that shows links to being experimental in your nature, not really say like a commercial background or anything like that. So um, that makes it again uh, exciting in a way because it's uh, it's based on, you know, visual motif It's based on, you know, not necessarily your track record or like your filmography of, you know, playing here, there and everywhere. It's about 
what is the production about? You know, what is your key story? Who are you as an applicant and what can you do with this uh, bursary to make it, you know, a standalone project that will hopefully be talked about <laughs> for years to come, I guess. I don't know. Great. Yeah, because yeah, it is. It's a space that, like, say, the likes of Screen Ireland, like, in, in some ways, like, there's their focus is on the project is about, you know, doing something that is, say, for the industry, for an audience. But this is more so about... Yeah, like having the space to experiment. And you were saying like it's important that you're multidisciplinary, that you have at the hand in editing as well. That's what do you have to submit for the first draft of the application? You have to have some sort of like a production package that gives you like a visual orientation of what the film is. You know, you have to have your um, notes on production, notes on on visual uh, treatment, dotted A. You don't have to have the scripts completed. That's actually, you can you can start that process once you've been given the funding, uh, which is also great because it means like you don't have to sign off on the, the finished script. You can go away and make it yourself and it doesn't have to be approved. It can be, you know, it's off your own intentions. Like, so once you've been awarded the bursary, you're, you're, you're sort of set free. <laughs> And you said, come back when it's ready and, you know, you want it to be looked at or whatever. So and not uh, on a time frame. They're like, come back when you. Well, no, the time frame is 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 in place. Like you have like roughly 14 months or something like that. So a year and a half or something like that. Um, but uh, no, you don't have to come back constantly with like production notes or your HODs or your casts for approval. None of these things have to be ticked off. They, you know, it's your project. You have to go make it. Um. I mean, so, I mean, I've got a lot of mentors in, in the film industry who have quite a large uh, filmography and stuff like that. When I was telling them about this project, they were like, oh, that sounds great. I'd love to be able to do that myself, you know. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, I think their experience is a little bit too vast to, to get back in line for something like this. It's more for emerging filmmakers, I guess. Um, and, and tell me a little bit about the process. So once you've got it, you workshop the script, you you have your treatment, you go back and, and rework it. Well, myself and Claire McCabe went in for like pitching sessions. So there's like a number of projects that were selected to go in and pitch to um, a panel in the Arts Council. And uh, we went in in November, in October or November. Um, and we were we were notified three weeks later that we had received the bursary. Wow. And um, then in January, like a, just a fresh start for that year, squirreled away, started writing the scripts. Um, and then we had like the first draft ready by around May. Um, and it was made in partnership with uh, Samson Films. Um, so we had David Dignan as a script editor who came on board at that stage. And along with my my own uh, co-collaborator, uh, uh, Lena Schultz, and we went through the script, we pulled it apart, uh, reworked it, and it was sort of more or less ready for pre-production in June, July. So then started the... Uh, the digital <laughs> lockdown pre-production so it was uh, hundreds and hundreds of zoom calls and uh, cast and crew listings and location scouting you know a lot of that was done on google earth and <laughs> so it was uh, i met a lot of the cast as well on, on zoom calls and things like that so um yeah that was a bit of an interesting twist uh, accidentally like the film came almost like a Dogma 95 film. It was like rules and regulations set out by the government of how you could practice in and amongst the pandemic. Like, so you can't really do this or that. So we had to kind of figure out ways to go around some of these, like, you know, um, 
these uh, tricky circumstances. Um, but it just meant uh, very careful planning. You know, uh, Claire McKay was absolutely uh, amazing in that regard. Like everything was to the to the T. You know, like everyone knew exactly what time they were doing this, that, and the other. What they had to be have to be accomplished at what time. You know, be it from like you know just like the HODs uh, collecting their other you know um, uh, crew members in the, each each department or from my own perspective, like shot lists and things like that, or having a script sort of delineated and and uh, chopped up or worked <laughs> to the point of production. So, and just tell me a little bit about the idea again. So you you had the script out, but like as a writer, where do your ideas come from? Like what what's your process there? Like in something like this as well, it's you get to play with the form so much more. Well, I'm only slowly starting to come to terms of what my approach to filmmaking is like, you know, like psychologically, I think it's like something about extrapolating on maybe like traumas or whatever uh, over a kind of narrative form that you kind of ask as many questions as possible, put in as many elements from your life, from your experience or from from like, you know, literature or culture around you. And you kind of just try and find some sort of tapestry that that makes sense to you. And then, you know, uh, show that to audiences and it's actually their feedback that kind of really explains what the material is like so it's the secondary perspective that teaches you what your work is um but i don't know when i was in university we were kind of like we had the um aristotelian like hero's journey hammered into us so i think like as a basis like this is a kind of a loose loosely uh, pitched trilogy of films like because i had a, another film called lost in the living that we played in berlin an Irish character who goes over into that kind of like gauntlet of of uh, pleasure dome <laughs> uh, everything in excess and everything so in a way like for me I guess this film is like the return journey you know so the second part of the hero's journey like into the the abyss or like how far you can go away from what you know is the second part that's another script that I have in development at the moment so <laughs> it's a real unique atmospheric world that you've created in this um with those very kind of um again open to interpretation elements that are very powerful the symbolism is is beautiful and and like as a viewer you're left feeling well I don't really know what happened for that but it felt authentic that's the important thing and that's the thing that keeps you connected to the material sure as a viewer like it those moments of trauma those moments of pain like they feel very true and it's a great cast like there's a great chemistry can you just tell me about finding them again on on zoom like i have to go back to the the, the pandemic element like because it was actually a blessing in disguise like because you know sometimes when you get like adversaries like this you start trying to pull the stars out of the sky and create a universe that's just unreachable you know so um immediately like during lockdowns we realized that we were land landlocked to a kind of like a certain mile radius of dublin and I'm from Wicklow, so I got it managed like to extend that partially. Um, but like there were certain cut off points, like so it's like I need, needed to know what the world of the film was, and it was, you know, not accidentally, but because I've been thinking about it for a long time to go and re uh, introduce myself to places that I would have walked through at different stages of my life, and I wanted to do with characters in film like this, you know, that plays out a kind of like a narrative basis that can be kind of like reciprocal of and mirror my own experiences in life. Um, but it's like, it's like when you do that and you make a film in any particular place, be it in your house, be it in, you know, whatever, the beach that you like, you know, hanging out on when you're a teenager, 
once you've made a film there you know the film is the only thing that remains like it's sort of almost like uh consumes your 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 knowledge and your memory uh, off that place you know so it's like the film is then there you know afterwards like it's not that's not my teenage beach anymore it's where the film is you know so yeah. you have to be a little bit sort of selective in what you're doing it's like not putting everything into a film trying to keep certain elements of your life away and um, it's so true actually because when you're editing somebody as well you, their voice everything becomes so familiar yeah. and like that like sometimes I, I, I'll have gone up to, to somebody having edited something they were in or like that been part of the process of something that they're in and they have no clue who you are but they're caught like on that piece of like on that on that kind of project and and they're seared into your mind like and they're so familiar but they don't know you it changes your relationship to them it also works with like say like catchphrases like from your parents or something like that might that might feed into your kind of your own uh, personality a little bit and you put it into a project and then you hear someone else saying it as an actor in the film it becomes theirs then you know so it's like taking elements away that can never be retrieved you know so it's actually like the philosophy that I learned from this film it was actually from my partner uh, in Germany like she said it's like um it's what you what you what you withhold when you're making work or art that, that brings the power and the energy to the work itself so that's interesting you know it's like the shadow that's like that's that circles a project that isn't actually in it but is a part of it anyway because everything's connected and yeah that that's that kind of truthfulness and but working with the actors actually that was I think what I originally had been trying to say with about three other things lined up together but working with those actors and getting the performance because again the text is quite abstract but the their interaction their chemistry is very truthful how do you maneuver that with them do you have discussions with them about how about what this means do you let them bring their own thing to it like what's part of that um well the script really is like a kind of a dense and complex uh nightmare on the page <laughs> so any any actor or any kind of you know crew member who, who've read it all sort of had the same reaction they're kind of like are you just crazy or what? Like, you know, you, and you can see that in their facial expression when they say hello to you for the first moment, like on a Zoom call or something, they're like, okay, actually, no, you're you're all right. You're not too bad. <laughs> but the, the script is totally, is crazy. Like, you know, because I kind of like intentionally tried to shovel as much stuff into it as possible because I was always conscious of like, you know, with other funding agencies that you're always taking stuff away. You're always chiseling it down. So like, if it's like 10 parts, you know wonder then you have two parts in natural film so you just have to really like speculate with as much like nonsense not nonsense but you know uh, poetic chaos as possible um but then like when you have uh, a bursary like this where a lot more material gets through like you know because what's interesting about this project was um you know the, the funding is given to the filmmaker who makes the application so it's in their name um, it's not in the name of the production company you partner with or whatever which way it usually works you know and uh, so you become like a kind of like executive producer in your own work so you get kind of like one key vote and everything that goes on like um and I you know I'm not taking that to any extremes or anything like that but you, you know when it comes to creative material a lot of it remained that I was sort of maybe uh a little bit um not shocked but you know it's just it's still there you know it's like we get to play with so much stuff like and I guess like for a lot of the actors like they were like you know what part of this is 
the most important elements in all of these key kind of like sections of 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 texts that we're dealing with in this scene um what you know and then i would kind of like just let them you know associate themselves with the work like you know um what what jumps out of the page to you first and foremost you know what do you kind of see what do you feel and uh, this is the piece that i particularly like let's try and focus on those two elements and then you know you just sort of sit into a location get your grounding get your bearing let everything become very kind of relaxed and and uh familiar and then it just sort of it's like a back and forth it's a relay you might there could be certain elements lost it could be you know extra elements gained by conversational um uh i don't know appropriation <laughs> just extra bits like that just find their way in in in, in the moments like so um people's personalities will find a way in and that's not on the text it's not in not in the script and i always like to try and keep those bits in because that's the glue that you know that fastens uh, the human beings behind the characters that they're portraying um it brings yeah 3d aspects to, to all performances in film I think. yeah and um tell me a bit about the shift in actors with david yeah um shifting in characters i mean i'm kind of like fascinated by this the 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 the, the the duality of the self is like the person that you think you are yourself is the people who remember you as the person that you were in the time that they spent with you being in a place like you know a school time or you know one country to another country speaking in a different language brings out a different character um all these different elements of yourself exist all at the same time and sometimes it takes a little moment to remember the person who people think that you are so you have to kind of click into these characters or click out of them and i thought it would be fascinating like you know, and well has been experimenting with this concept in a number of different films, like not only like the obscure object of desire, but um, yeah, like I mean, you can just change, you can shift, you can do, you can do like one performance here, one performance there. I mean, Frankenstein in, in London also did that, like one different actor each night, like and stuff like that. So you don't know which actor is going to be playing the lead role on whichever night. It was just a lottery and stuff. So, I mean, I'm yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> I'm going to take it a little bit further on my next project as well. It might be like maybe seven actors or... <laughs> it's sort of jarring, and but it's it's a very interesting take. And, and that that relationship and the shift, the way it happens, it's it's very interesting to watch. Um, was the we was the actor disappointed? We like, I kind of think if you're cast, you'd be like, oh, yes, I'm the lead role for half the film. <laughs> no, I don't think it. I don't think so. Um I mean, you, you always break films into, into different sections anyway, like, you know, like there's the first act, there's the second act, and there's the second act, or sorry, middle part and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, yes, the outward journey, the return journey, and then into the oblivion exists even in singular films, like, um, so, I mean, characters are bound to change in that process anyway. So, um, if you're shooting in sequence, then you naturally progress, but if you're shooting out of sequence, then you have to change every every few minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, or every day, like three or four times a day. Um, it was interesting on set sometimes, you know, <laughs> the different characters, like how they would, you know, uh, interact with one another. Um, but it just brings a freshness, I think, to to different days and to different scenes that you were starting. Um, and how long was the shoot? I think we had 14 days. Wow. Two of which were pickups. So, yeah, it was like 13 days. Wow, that is not a lot. And then you were shooting on film as well? We are shooting on Super 16 and we are shooting, yeah, 4K. Uh, so that's, 
like <laughs> that's a lot like it's it's kind of you know like a lot to switch over it's a lot to to capture in that in quite a short amount of time yeah i mean like you have to be prepared for that like i mean if there's a beautiful kind of like you know um moment where the sun is splitting the sky down onto the ship at the end like you know you just have to be ready to film you know shoot from the hip like you know the film camera is there if there's beautiful light you have to capture it um i mean you can have all the schedules in place that that give you some sort of orient orient orientation but sometimes you just have to ignore that for a few moments and go off and capture something that can not be not be um not be set up really like can't be organized yeah, and it and it's outdoors as well, so you really get the whim of the elements too. <laughs> yeah, and in yeah, in many way, more ways than one. Like, I mean, I was looking for gloom. I was looking for darkness, and you know, we 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 shot in like around October, knowing that that was like storm season and stuff like that. But it turned out to be uh, Indian summer, and we were all like sunglasses and and getting. I was getting sunburned somehow. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, we had to kind of like change the. The visual aspect of that in post and things like that to bring in some of the, the storm elements but so now we're on post um with something like this is the form quite free and would it shift in the edit like if you were saying that you you know had to take those moments to capture something that happens in that moment because of and the nature of it as well like was it a freer formed piece like could you go actually let's do a completely different scene or did you stick to the script and then stick to the structure and edit as well well you have to just be uh, on your toes at all times really I mean like the sun can go behind the clouds and then you have to start uh, blacking out the sun or like kind of causing shadows and things like that and then you have to just put it all away and then you shoot like when there's like beautiful grey um or in and out of buildings and things like that so you just sort of have to be ready and prepared for all elements at the same time it's ireland like that's what you get like um if you're shooting in in, in europe and stuff like that you get like a sunny day sunny all day so <laughs> or you you shoot on the rainy day and it's rainy from nine to six like so but in ireland you get five types of weather a day so you just have to shoot it all and um i mean I mean, yeah, we have quite a crushed kind of black and white image in, in, in post-production. So there was like a little bit of extra manipulation that could be formulated to find a cohesion in the individual. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of shifting and changing going on. So and you can't control it. So you just have to shoot on. So, yeah. And with the edit as well. So and something like this, that's open to interpretation and, and sort of like a fluid narrative how does that work in the end did it change did you stick to exactly what was on the page or play around um, pacing well uh david byrne um is a, a long-time collaborator of mine editor um he's also from Dunleary. and uh, we did some short films he, he also shot or edited my last feature film lost and living so we have a good kind of like uh on hand um um, we know we're 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 fighting for for cohesion or or you know so our, our personality is slightly different aesthetically I think like I'm looking for kind of like long slow paced maneuvers between settings and and he'd be more kind of like you know getting swiftly to the next you know plot point or you know really shifting the balance like a hard cut or a maneuver so like there's a nice little game of tennis that is is going on between us like for the last couple of years um and uh, he actually moved to tokyo 
uh, in the last couple of years. And uh, so we had this interesting kind of editing uh, structure whereby we were sort of editing and taking notes and I was reviewing the edits day by day in a constant 24 hour circle because when I was sleeping, he was editing and vice versa. So he would send through his daily um, cut of a section and I could review it while he was in bed and give my notes directly. So it's sort of like the the timeline of the, of the edit was continually flowing, you know, so we managed to get through it really quite quickly. The the sound mix is just gorgeous and the soundtrack, like everything. And it, it's so layered and it's it's just woven through it beautifully. Can you tell me about the music? Yeah, I mean, James Latimer was in charge of the uh, the soundtrack and the soundscape, the sound mix. Um, and we were looking for a big sound, you know, like a big kind of punch uh, richness to some of a lot, a lot of these locations. Because there's actually like they're actually quite silent a lot of these locations. So when you're in that kind of environment, different elements have to come into play. Like you know, there has to be some sort of like, um, like a rattling wind it has to bring in a kind of a subwoof to get a get a get a kind of like a reaction out of the 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 audience. I guess like, um, we're also playing with these ideas that there's like there's music on the wind. Like there's everything is sort of there in either you know just in your in your periphery vision or it's like something that you you think you heard or you think you saw but you didn't you know it's like questioning reality constantly and um, because the root idea for the film came out of being disorientated in a number of airports around Europe over the course of three or four years you know if you miss a flight or or a boat or cancels this that and the other and you have to spend any amount of time outside of the usual amount of time you have to spend in these places it can be very disorientating like so we wanted to really push on that aspect you know in the in the mix and I think I think we got there and um, yeah the, the beauty of working with James was that uh, you could kind of be controlling the soundtrack and the sound mix simultaneously so they're kind of enveloped together whereas you know we usually bring the, the sound you know the music in at the end and sort of just trying to shove it under the carpet or you know pitch it to the side or to you know in the mix you would put it in a 4.1 or or a 3.1 mix um, and the tracks does he select them does he know the artists like how do you clear the rights for those um well i actually chose those two songs myself <laughs> but uh yeah i mean like kind of like uh like the, the the song songs like yeah for like the 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 super eight section at the end and the credits um yeah like i kind of like when you work when you're working on a film i like to work on either a laptop or a space that has like no um uh distracting elements like so there would sometimes be no internet there would be no music or you know media on on your computer and stuff like that so i think there was only like there was one album of like mix from friends from years ago from about 15 years ago and i had like just maybe 10 songs and they were just kind of there so i was almost like being not so productive i just like squirrel away and just have a little listen to one song with the edit and um but they were kind of like songs that you probably wouldn't be able to get you know you wouldn't be able to license them but um, there was an adventure really in finding the musicians first and foremost, finding them over like Facebook and stuff like that, asking them who they're being represented by and if they would be able to, you know, do a deal with us and stuff like that. I mean, the song at the end is Lancome's or I mean, Irish man, of course, like, um, and we managed to get a deal with them as well. So it's great when you have like Irish artists in different fields working together and you can have it in one production. It's great. I think. Yeah, that's lovely. Yeah, because it's gorgeous as well. Like, and I'd say it's lovely to to see your work as a creative you know kind of like elevating something else yet yeah, like that it, it 
it's nice and and it still has a life and it still has like it's still kind of influencing and touching people there's an interesting story about this there's a there's a song in the middle of the film that's in the bar scene it's like kind of like from a german band it's like a schlager rock and roll song and uh, a friend of my partner found and like a little kind of lp like a single um a seven inch with this song on and he used to always play it as dj nights and stuff like that and we're like do you reckon we could get that song it's so great like we really want it we actually managed to track down the original band members from that band, find their original contracts, and then like you know try and work out an agreement with them to put it in the film. So it was a kind of like really, I don't know, CSI Miami job to get that one done. But it's yeah, like there's lots of fans of that song online and stuff, but no one knew the history of the band or anything. We managed to track it down and get it signed off. Amazing. That's because it's really interesting because it's like it's so complex like that to get the rights and there's the different types of rights and stuff like that. And you're like, oh, my God. It's... So tell me a little bit about the the process of finalizing the film and getting it to festivals. So did you know you were going into court? Did you finish it for that? Or how do you kind of come up with your distribution plan? Well, the IFI are screening partners. Um, so they had to have premiere status in the film uh, either in, in, in Dublin or um, with our case, they they uh, they let us uh, screen at the Cork Film Festival uh, in partnership with them. So it was the IFI world premiere at Cork. Um, and it's the festival that I've screened pretty much all of my work in the past, like all my short films and my last uh, feature film also played there. Um, and because it's like a new Irish initiative from the Arts Council, I think it was important to screen the film here first. Um, but then, yeah, it went out to different festivals around the world and things like that. So like two weeks later, it was in Ipigawa in India and uh, then America, a few places and stuff. So um, do, you, do you get to tour with it when it goes? Like, do you get to sit in the audience in these different spaces? Because it's very it's a very um, Irish feel to it. I'd love to see how it's received. Well, for any of the screenings that we weren't able to attend in person, I came up with the idea of contacting like Irish agent or uh, the the embassies in some of the nearby cities and see if they could send someone from the cultural department as a representative for the film. So we managed to get like the Irish uh, ambassador in Mumbai to travel to Goa to watch the film there. Like, um, but we were almost there. <laughs> we had two tickets like booked and paid for, and we just weren't able to get the. Uh, visa rushed through in time you know the turnaround wasn't wasn't quick enough but uh but that was a great experience i mean like there's 1.2 billion people living in india so um in the space of one week the trailer had more of an audience than anything i'd ever made before <laughs> wow. uh, so just like yeah that's that, that's what exposure is you know so and um the the uh jerry was the um, ambassador that attended that screening he said it was a packed house and we got a standing ovation with the clapping and everything so and a number of people reached out to me after the screening as well saying that they just don't get films like that in india you know they mostly get like hollywood or different you know kind of like level films they don't get anything independent or yeah but that sort of like artistic kind of experimentation films you know it's very like it is very interesting to see how different people do it because yeah I think we do have this specific relationship to sort of shame and and colonialism and 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 how that impacts the way we process trauma I think and I I think like while things are like that you often hear the said like a, a local story with global appeal um about work 
you do get that sense and and because of its kind of core of authentic authenticity like that's the thing that that I think is will translate well that you can see like that there's that there is pain like that that lead character there's there's a truthfulness to 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 that journey but it's you know so it'll be very interesting to see what resonates and if different things do well it's interesting because you can take a film on different levels as well like you know like from the visual motif I mean the film won an award for its cinematography in in Madrid and you know there's a couple of experimental film festivals in in uh, in in a number of different countries like like Bratislava and stuff like that would introduce us like from purely on a visual basis like you know sort of cinematography festivals and things and then you have like more kind of like cultural festivals that are linked to like the Irish culture and the story and everything behind that um so yeah it's 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 always interesting what the angle is that the invitation comes um because they're kind of interpreting your film from from that perspective yeah. or the work not your film because it's collective. <laughs> I know this is kind of going back to the the scheme element of it, but how did this film and this process differ from your first? Well, the first project again was sort of like self-financed. It was around the time that we were doing like or the, the world was experimenting with the crowdfunding kind of aspect of filmmaking and everything. Um, but yeah, at one point, you know, someone close to me said like, you just have to go and make that film now, just spend whatever your savings are on it and do it because uh, you'd just be waiting in the what if uh, realm for, for your life if you don't do it and uh, so I took that advice and we just made it um, uh, difficult as it was we just yeah we just went over and did it um, but because um, you didn't make it easy for yourself doing something on location in Berlin when no. <laughs> with... in a culture and a language you don't completely understand with the moral links that ties to the film industry at all but we managed it and I think it turned out quite good like so <laughs> they got a distribution deal and everything so um um yeah I mean I, I yeah it's stolen me away to, to Germany now I kind of live there more or less um and I want to make another film in Germany now because of that um I mean the interesting thing when you've made two films is that you know you can kind of ask yourself questions like what was it like doing this and what was it like doing this now like so I mean the best thing about the Arts Council grants is that you have security you know when I was developing the scripts you know I had um I, I could I could pay myself a salary you didn't have to make it in advance and then have to pitch it after like living on nothing for six or seven months which is the the usual uh, approach like so there's you know when you take away that element of of um of pressure uh off your shoulders then and then the, the project itself, the work gets to breathe um, and it's not compounded by, you know, nervous energy or anything like that. So, um, yeah, freedom and uh, the ability just to make a piece of work um, guided on your own instincts and creative uh, intentions or uh, instinct, you know, instinct. It always comes back to that. Like they, they, they trust you to go make the film. You know, you don't have to be you don't have to constantly like get someone's uh, appraisal or you know something signed off like um I mean I was I remember when I was trying to make my first film the uh, the development uh, agents of one of the bursaries the first thing that they said in, in in an interview scenario they said I hate Berlin and I was like oh god I mean what's gonna happen here like <laughs> should I just get up and leave now or what like it's uh you can't be on the back foot from the from the get-go um so that's the beauty of the Arts Council grants is that you know, you have time. Time is the, the only currency that you really need, like in 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 a funding sense. Like so we managed to buy almost a year and a half of freedom 
to go and make the best the best work that we could possibly do um, yeah. and and pay your collaborators then yeah from the get-go as well yeah sometimes so, you, know, you have to pay people afterwards or, or all this kind of nonsense and yeah that's that's not really what the way you want to make work you know or you can't continually make work that way i mean the first film we were kind of working with people out of university or with little to no film experience so it was more experience experience based you know and people could get a few credits for their you know imdb or whatever their filmography and everything and they could work simultaneously as attending university in berlin so that's how we managed it and we could bring with them some crew for some uh, some facilities or you know bits of uh, anyway yeah that's a different story <laughs> a different and so you were saying it's a trilogy what's your next one um well as part of that trilogy there is yeah there's a, there's another film that i want to make in Leipzig. that's uh yeah it's based upon how far into the void you can travel without losing yourself completely um but i have to translate that script into german so my partner's helping me in that it's a slow and meandering process but uh we're going to submit it now to in in december i think to uh the uh middle deutschland federum which is like a middle germany uh, agency and uh apart from that i have two experimental documentaries that i'm editing at the moment uh, another project to work from the arts council and uh got the first cut done on both of them so they should be simultaneously hopefully released in spring if i can find a festival that would take them along Great. Well, I, I, I look forward to catching those. It sounds like you're very busy. Wow. <laughs> Off the back of this, there's no relaxing. Two different things going on, yeah. <laughs> it's available to view unlimited release from today. So do catch it. Like it's, it's again, like it's such a gorgeous experience. So visceral. It's it's just a lovely journey. Yeah. I mean, it's just support Irish film. Get into the cinema, you know. Uh, there are hope that there might be an option to see it like, you know, further down the line. On, on some sort of video on demand but it's a film that really has to be seen on the big screen you know like the images and the the, the kind of like the texture of the of the images it, by themselves they have to be seen in, in a large room in in the dark so yeah with your friends yes definitely and a glass of wine if it's in the ifi that's one of the perks definitely so thank you so much okay brilliant